Welcome, everybody. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here, too. Uh, welcome to this series. Uh, it's called Insomnia. I want to welcome you all who are joining us on the Internet. Thanks for wearing clothes this time. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about, you know, you, you have those moments where you start reflecting back over your life. And I was thinking, I've made three major moves in my lifetime. And uh, you may not know this, but I, I actually grew up in West Virginia, and so that's where my life started. And in the fall, it looks like this there. And that's what it really looks like. That's not color enhanced or anything. That's what it really looks like. So I grew up with these beautiful views and beautiful falls and things like that. So I grew up and then graduated from high school, decided to go on to college. So when I went to college, I went to Mount Vernon Nazarene College in Mount Vernon, Ohio. It looks like this. Beautiful, sort of Midwestern kind of place. And so I left behind all the fall views and all the mountains to go to the flatlands of Ohio. And, and I met some of my best friends in college. I also met my wife. We're about to be married for 16 years, which is awesome. Um, thank you. She's here. She appreciates that because it's been hard for her. Um, but after that, you know, we, we graduated and they wouldn't let us stay because we weren't paying for classes anymore. So we, uh, we left behind our, our friends and our familiar place, and then we moved to Illinois. And we were mostly drawn by, you know, functional state government and excellent NFL football. So we, we decided to make this big jump and, and move to Illinois, and we left behind our, our college buddies and our familiar place, and we moved to this new place. And what it, what it told me was every major change that happens in our lives involves one thing going away, and something else coming to be. Even though it was a great thing for us to move, we had to leave some things behind. And some things could never be the same again. Some things, I mean, technically, some things kind of died. And so every major change that happens in our lives as human beings, something is dying and something is coming to life. And those are the changes that we actually choose to do. We chose to move. But there are changes that come, and these are the ones that keep us up at night that we don't choose. Things that are not our fault, but that are our responsibility. When he or she is standing in front of you with the suitcase saying, I'm leaving. When the doctor says, it's malignant. When your boss says, we're eliminating your position. Those are those changes that keep us up at night. Those are the ones that we don't want to hear about. And those are the ones that force us into this place where something is dying, but we're not quite sure something's going to materialize. We're not, we're not quite sure something new is going to come to life. And that's why we pace the carpets at night, wondering what's going to happen next. We're people of change. Even in our biology, we're designed to change. Here's a little interesting piece for you. In the last minute that I've been talking, 40,000 of your skin cells have died. And you wonder why you were exhausted, right? Like, something's happening here. I'm tingling. 40,000 skin. We're so wired for change that you're not even going to leave this room with the same skin you came in with. <laughs> Human beings are built for change. So if there is all this change that happens in our lives and it keeps us up at night and it's so natural to our human experience, then I would imagine God has something to say about it because he designed us. He made us. How does God walk with us when we are kept up at night by the kind of change that's happening to us? How does he help us walk through that? I believe God has some things to say to that. And so I want to take you through a story in Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles or if you use the Version app, I'd ask you to throw that thing open. Uh, Luke 20, or if you don't, that's fine. We'll have the verses up on the screens. Luke 24 verse 14. 
And there are three guiding principles that I want to use to take us through our time this morning. And the very first one that we have to wrap our hands around before this story makes any sense whatsoever is this. All change is a kind of dying. All change is a kind of dying. Something is going away and disappearing, and something new is kind of out there, and we don't know that it's going to come yet. Now, Luke 24, the background of this passage is there's two men walking from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus, and it's some distance away. And what has happened is, in Jerusalem recently, Jesus has been crucified. Their hope and their joy has been killed and has been buried, and it's been three days, and now there's some rumors going around that he actually rose from the dead. But these two guys are so overcome with their grief and their anxiety that they just can't handle it, so they want to leave Jerusalem behind, get out of there, and get to this other place. Now, Emmaus for us can be a symbol, because in the times when change is really hot and really painful, there are places we go to get away from that pain. The place where we go to drink it away, or to pour it away, or to shop it away, it's the place where we go to get away from the pain that's going on in our lives. And this is what it says. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Get this picture in your head. These guys were people who hung out with Jesus. They were with him. It's not like they'd seen a picture of him somewhere. They had heard a rumor about him. They actually had spent time with Jesus. So they would have recognized him because they spent time with him. So they're so, they're just running away from this pain of change, and they're walking this road, and Jesus comes up beside him, and they cannot recognize him. Now, the text says they were kept from recognizing him, and the word there means to be restrained. And some scholars believe that God actually kept them from recognizing him, but I don't believe that. I don't agree. Because when you're in the pain of change, it's very, very hard to see anything hopeful. When you're kept up at night by change that's not your fault, but it's now your responsibility, when you're dying to change, it's very hard to see anything bright and beautiful in that moment. And so the possibility that this could actually be true was so out of their brains, they couldn't actually believe it was Jesus walking with them. Even though he was like, guys, you... Do I look like anybody you know? The beard, maybe? What if I turn this way? Is it other profile? They, they couldn't tell. But the glorious part of this moment in the story, and for us who are going through this time of change, and, and I want you to know, like, this is coming from a very personal place for me. Because me, personally, and we as a church, we're going through this season of change. Like, we're adding another campus. When you add another campus, it's like adding another child to your family, you got to split everything up differently, and somebody else needs to share a bedroom, and there's all kinds of sibling rights. All that stuff happens, and, and so we're going through this season of change. I'm going through this season of change of watching some good friends move on. One of my best friends is directing the service right now, and this is one of the last times I get to work with him. So, brother, I love you, but it's a hard moment for us to watch these things change. So one thing that we can keep with us in that moment, and one thing we see of these men walking from Emmaus, walking to Emmaus from Jerusalem, is that no matter what the death is that we're dying, we never do it alone. We always have a companion. Jesus always walks with those of us who are dying through change. Deuteronomy promises this in the Bible. It says, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These guys are running from the story, and Jesus is right alongside of them, sticking close with them. Even when you're deep in the blood and the muck and the dirt of dying to change, God is always there. And so Jesus comes up beside them, and he asks them this. He says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? 
they stood still. He stops them in their tracks. And one of them, their faces downcast, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Apparently when you're dying, you also get snippy. Are you kidding me? Are you new? Who are you anyway? Who's the new guy? Jesus steps into that moment and says, no, I, I don't know what's happening. Tell, tell me more. Tell me more about what you're going through. What is this thing that you keep talking about? Why are your faces so downcast? And so they say, we've been talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped is the dying to change kind of language. We had hoped means something we expected didn't happen. It means that that person we had planned on growing old with, that's not going to happen for us. It's that job we thought we were going to have forever, it's not going to be around anymore. It's that health that we had always expected, it's not going to be the same as we thought it was. We had hoped means our expectations have been disappointed and unfulfilled. We had hoped is when we look in the mirror and realize, I'm saggier than I used to be. <laughs> and my knees just don't bend like they used to. And it takes a lot longer in the morning for me to achieve maximum speed. I can't eat Taco Bell at 11 o'clock and get up the next day and have everything be fine. <laughs> it's just the gift that keeps on giving the whole day long. Those things pass away. They change. And we, we embrace them. We stand in that moment and we realize we had hoped these things were going to be true. And now they're not. And these little parts of us, these little deaths start to happen because this change is going on. Two men from Emmaus said, we had hoped all this was going to happen, but apparently it's not going to happen. And now, now we don't know what to do. Now we're on the run. Now we're taking off. So for us who are dying to change, what do we have to grab onto in the middle of this? Yeah, Jesus is with us, and that's great. But I, there's an episode from Jesus' life that helps us to deal with this. And I didn't realize it until I was at a retreat center recently. And the guy leading the retreat, we were in this huge room, and up on the wall was this crucifix. Now, for those of you who grew up in a Catholic tradition, you know what this is. Uh, you come here and you ask us why our cross is empty. Like, did you forget to put him up there? Did he fall off? Like, what, what happened there? And so we always explain the difference is, like, well, this is the crucifixion. This is Jesus on the cross suffering. And this one without him is the resurrection. It's the hopeful cross. And that's how I've always explained it. But the guy leading the retreat said, if you ask me, I like the crucifix better. And the reason why is that's a Jesus I can identify with. Because this one over here, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know what it's like to be resurrected. But the Jesus who's suffering, that I understand. Because I've been through that. And most of us can't understand resurrection because we see so much crucifixion. And maybe it's in our own lives or in the lives of others. We see so many more times when something's dying than we do things coming to life. And so in this very moment, these two guys walking, Jesus challenges them a little bit and says, you've got to wrap your arms around the fact that this is all part of the story. Crucifixion is part of what happens to us. It's part of real life. And it's not supposed to be great. It's not supposed to be exciting. Jesus wasn't even excited about it. In the two verses that he talks about from the cross or moving towards the cross, this is what Jesus says. In the first one, he says, My father, if this is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. The most foundational moment in human history, and Jesus is like, can we do something different? 
I'm not excited about the cross. I'm not excited about the pain. I'm not excited about the suffering. And none of us are. And then later, while he's on the cross, Jesus says this. About three in the afternoon, he cried out in a loud voice in a language called Aramaic. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we're in that moment of change, when we're in the process of dying to change, we kind of feel like God has abandoned us. And you may have heard the phrase, if you feel distant from God, guess who moved? That's nonsense. Because these guys didn't even know Jesus was there and he was right with them. When we are suffering like that, when we are going through the process of crucifixion, God is right next to us, with us as we die these little deaths. Because it's all moving towards something, something much bigger. So in that moment, the only thing we can really do is cry out. If you're going through this process of dying to change today, the best thing that you can do is to just cry out. Prayer becomes our friend. The Psalms say in Psalm 130, it says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. In that moment, we cry out to God. We don't edit it. We don't polish it because God knows what's bubbling up on our insides anyway. We just let it go. And if we're like Jesus in this middle of this crucifixion period and we say, God, why have you forsaken me? That's the best we can do. That's all we can do. But I want to tell you the better part of the story because up to this point, this has been the really you know, happy part. <laughs> This has been the hallmark sermon of, of this series. But the best part is the next thing that we learn, and that's this. Jesus' story says that crucifixion always leads to resurrection. Always. Even though we go through this whole process of dying through change, it always leads to resurrection. There is always new life at the end. Listen to what he tells them. He looks at these two guys and he says to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? The word foolish here means a lack of contact with reality. They had lost contact with reality. They had lost the idea of what the real world was like. This is what happens when we believe an infomercial. You've had, the, you've, well, you haven't done this, but other people have done this. When you're watching it and you're like, that could, that could happen. No effort and all the results, that could happen. And we become unhinged from reality. And we pay $29.95 for a pill that doesn't work. We lose track of reality. And Jesus says, you guys have lost track of reality. If you look at nature, if you look at human beings, you look at the fact that 40,000 of your skin cells die, you've got to understand something. There is no new life without death. Something has to pass away for something new to come to life. It's the way you're designed. It's the way the world functions. It's the way it works. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. There's an old gospel song that says everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I get that. We'd like all the beauty without all the gory. And most of us who have lived long enough know that that's just not how things work. That's just not how things happen. And I know some of us, some of us are experiencing this in our faith today. So maybe this isn't something from the outside, from a job or a relationship. Maybe this is about our relationship with God. And you know, the worship songs that I used, like, used to make me all Jesus jazzy, they just don't do that anymore. And you know, the sermons I used to be really excited about, they're not clicking anymore. I've heard enough of Tim these days. 
And you know, I, when I read the Bible like I used to, it's like, eh, I don't. And we're like, okay, so, so something's wrong with me. Something's broken. Something in me is wrong. No. It's a process of growing up. It's a process of moving from one stage to another where we stop reading the Bible for information and we start reading it for wisdom. We stop praying words and we start praying silence. We stop coming here to be electrified and we start coming here to serve and to pour ourselves out. Even in faith, there's a process of dying and coming to new life. It's part of the deal. And Paul talks about it this way. He explains it in really good terms. He says, so all of us who have had that veil removed, we've come to know who Jesus is, we started to walk with him, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Jesus tells the men in Emmaus, the glory comes because I suffered. And Paul says, glory comes because we are starting to grow. There is no glory without crucifixion, and there is no glory without resurrection. It's part of the thing. So if you're dying to change today, just know that's not the whole story. It's part of the story, but it's not the end. The end of the story is that we are all moving towards new life. And that new life is going to look really, really interesting. And new things are being born in us. Paul, in Romans, he says this. He says, all things can be working to the good. We know that all, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And these are, this is something that describes people who have experienced resurrection. We can look at stuff that's horrible and say, but this is moving towards something beautiful and something good and a story that the world wants to hear. Resurrection is the story we are dying to tell. And the world desperately needs to hear it. And if you don't believe that, go watch movies from the last 10 years. How many of them the main character has died and then suddenly has risen from the dead? We love those kind of stories. They get us. They hook us. Listen, blacklist people, do you really think Elizabeth's dead? Come on. Resurrection is that thing that fills us up because we see enough crucifixion. We want our stories to tell us that that's not the end. And the Jesus story says, you are so right. It is not the end. God is working all things to the good. All things meaning all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for his good because we need it. And the reason we need it is because we're becoming a kind of people. Romans 5 says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. I don't get up in the morning and go, suffering, woohoo! Nobody does. We're not excited about that. And yet, at the end of that whole process of perseverance and suffering, we have this amazingly beautiful character that can handle more than we ever imagined that we could handle. But in order to get there, we have to die. If you look at hopeful people, you see that person in your office or in your life or in your family or even sitting around you today, and you go, they're so hopeful. I wonder how they got there. You know how they got there? They died. Hopeful people are people who have learned to die and come back to life on the other side. And they tell stories that go like this. You know, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't change a thing. All the mud, all the blood, all the guts, all the bitterness, all the brutality, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me who I am today. Hopeful people have learned how to go through crucifixion and come out in this place of resurrection, which is an awesome, awesome story, but it's not the whole story because there's one more thing 
that happens. The third thing is this. Resurrection means nothing is ever the same again. We are going through the process of dying. We really want to come out of that. We find resurrection. woo We come out of that into this new life, and then all of a sudden, it gets weird. Look at what happens to the guys from Emmaus. As they approached the village, Emmaus, where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. This is the funkiest passage in the whole Bible because they go, Yay! Whoa! Resurrect! Oh! Everything that they had hoped, all their expectations, all of a sudden were fulfilled right in front of them and then gone. And they looked at each other and go, He didn't use disappear, did he? Like, this is, a, this is a new thing, right? Like, it's him. He was here. He did the bread. Th- he always did this, and he broke it, and he gave it to us. He always did that, but he never disappeared after that, did he? And what they came to realize is that resurrection is beautiful and powerful, and it means new life, but it also means things are never going to be the same again. After resurrection, we can never go back. So, yes, we may not want to go through the process of dying, But we go through it, and we find new life on the other side. But when we get there, we may want to go back to the way things used to be. When we reconcile with that person that we've had a conflict with for years that's been eating us up inside, and we finally make peace with it, we're like, yes, you know what? We may not be bosom friends anymore. They may not friend you on Facebook again. When we reconcile with the person we've gone through a divorce, You may be able to talk to each other. You may be able to be in the same room, but it's never going to be the same as it was. Things never go back to the same way, and we want that so desperately. I want my friendship to be the way it was. I want my job to be. I want my old job. I want my old friendships because those were comfortable. Resurrection says there's new life, but it's not going to look like it used to look. It's going to be different, and different can be very, very good. Writer Andy Crouch tells the story of a lady named Isabel. And Isabel immigrated to the United States with her husband and went to live in Santa Barbara, California, which, who doesn't want to do that? She moves to the United States, and she's a trained counselor. And she has all these credentials, and she immigrates into the United States, and she's getting ready to start her career as a counselor in California, and she realizes none of her certifications will transfer. She can't be a counselor in the United States. In the meantime, her husband experiences some job difficulties, can't find consistent work, can't find consistent full-time work, and they're in a financial pinch, and they don't know what to do. And finally, Isabel finds work as a house cleaner because, in Isabel's word, nearly everyone in Santa Barbara employs a Hispanic house cleaner. So this trained, educated counselor is now cleaning people's houses. And listen to what she says about it. She says, if I'm cleaning a toilet, well, that's something that needs to be done in order to to order the world and to wash the feet of others. There's no sadness about that. It's joy. When was the last time you thought cleaning your toilet was a joy? It's probably not been recently. And then she began to develop this volunteer organization that helped train Latin American women how to take their driver's exam and their citizenship test. And one of the amazing things about that is she found this new life and started a new life with her husband. 
and was denied her expectation. She wanted to serve as a counselor, and that wasn't going to happen. So she went through this period of dying, but she came into this place of new life, and it doesn't look like she thought it was going to look, but it is good and beautiful and true. So if you're going through the process of dying today, the marriage is dissipating. You know you need to go to rehab. You know you need to have a hard conversation with that person that you'd much rather slap. Just know that as you go through that process of pain and change, resurrection is on the other end. And after that, it may not look like you thought it would look. It may be different. It may be awkward. It may be complicated. But that's the thing about resurrection. It's messy in a world that's still dying. But it's always joyful. And there's always hope built in to the middle of it. And what I love is what happens when Jesus disappears. Because <laughs> these two guys now, their eggs have been completely scrambled. Because they were grieving and they were running and then Jesus showed up and then they had bread and then he disappeared and they're just trying to figure all this out. And the one thing they say in reflection is they say this. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They look back on what they were listening to and said, did you feel that? Did you feel that too? Like something was going on back there in the middle of all that dying and all that darkness. Something was changing. And so maybe you've experienced that in the middle of this talk. You've, you've heard something that has been said and you thought, maybe, maybe dying is part of this whole thing. I never really thought about that. I don't like to think about that, but maybe it's normal. Maybe I can just embrace that. Or maybe you've heard the resurrection message for the first time, like, it's a reality. Death is not the end. Jesus has stamped and sealed that. The cross tells us more than anything else not only is there a way to know how to die, there's a way to know how to live again. Or maybe you've heard that it's not supposed to be the same and that oddly comforts you because you're looking around going, I should be happier about this. Everything's been put back together, but it's weird. Maybe it's going to be weird for a while. So how do we walk through this process of dying to change? I, there's three things I would give you that helps you to do that. Number one, we just need to name our deaths. We need to name them. We need to call them what they are. They're things worth grieving. They're things that have fallen away. I remember when my daughter was, was little, and she used to smile those big uh, toothless grins. I loved those. And I kept thinking to myself, man, when she gets teeth, she's not going to be nearly as cute. Because, you know, like one day she'll look like that again. I won't be around for that, but her little gap tooth, you know, no teeth. And I always said, like, when she gets teeth, she's not going to be as cute. And then she got teeth, and she was just as cute. But I look back at those pictures, and I kind of grieve that. That time is gone. And it went by like a mist. So I just name that and embrace it and say, that's something that's gone now. But it was beautiful. It was good. When that friendship has ended, name it. When that job has changed, and it's no longer comfortable, and it's no longer a place where you want to be, Embrace it and just name it. And this is what it is. Something is dying here, and I've got to just own up to that. Because the worst thing we can do is pretend it's not happening or run to Emmaus. We just need to embrace it. Second thing we do then is to grab onto new life. We grab onto this reality that in Jesus there's a very different story that's being told where death does not get to say the last word. But because one day the cross will be empty and new life will 
will come about. And it may take months, it may take years, it may take multiple years, but eventually new life is going to come out of that. And finally, we grieve what's dead and we adjust to our new reality. It may not be what we wanted, it may not be what we hoped, it might be different, it might be awkward, but whatever it is, we know that if we walk there with Jesus, our hearts will be burning with new things that God is bringing to life. Because this message is what it is, I wanted to end a little differently than we do. Uh, We're going to get ready to take communion right now, so I'm going to ask the servers to step out, but... During the time of communion, I'm I'm thinking about these guys walking on the road, and I realize they don't get it until they look back, until they have some time to reflect on what was going on. And so what we're going to do during our communion time this morning is we're actually going to have complete silence. I know for some of you, you're already freaked out. I understand that. It's a minute and 30 seconds of silence. You will be alive at the end of it. But we live in such a noisy world, if God did want to speak, we might not hear it because we've got everything cranked up to 11. And so this is a moment where we get to hear some things from God about where we are in this process of death and resurrection. So if you're dying today from a relationship change or a job change or some inner thing that's falling apart, something that's not the same, maybe you're grieving the loss of your youth and your effectiveness. Maybe you're grieving a relationship that's just not going to be the same again. This is a moment to listen to God and have him say, come die with me. I know what it feels like. You won't do it alone. And maybe you're moving into that place where new life is starting to come up. And this is an opportunity for you and God just to celebrate what's going on. That new things are coming to pass. New things are coming to light. So in this silence, just wrap your arms around that. And receive what God is doing. And some of you are trying to wrestle with the fact that things aren't what you thought they were going to be. They're, they're better, but they're really different, and they're kind of weird, and they're kind of awkward. This moment in silence is a chance for you to just sit with God and ask him to help you deal with that. So while they pass, there's going to be some questions that pop up on the screen, some ways for you to interact with what we've been talking about, a way to process what you might be hearing. When they pass the trays across, there's going to be two cups, one inside the other. There's bread in the bottom and juice in the top. And for me, what I love is that the disciples don't recognize Jesus until he breaks the bread. And so maybe when you get that little bread chiclet thing, um, that'll be the moment where God kind of reminds you, this is who I am. I'm here. I've always been here. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't move. I never move. So as they pass them across, take those two cups, hold them, and we'll all take communion together. If you're not from Parkview, this isn't our table. This is Jesus' table. It's an open table for you to come. If you believe in him, we invite you to this table. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be in this place this morning. We want to thank you for the fact that if we're dying... You know what that feels like. You've been there, and you are with us in the middle of it. You never move. And I want to thank you for my friends who are are just struggling because they're dying to change. And I pray that you would be with them right now. And, And you are with them, but help them to know that you're with them. For my friends who are experiencing resurrection, like new things are coming to life, help them to celebrate with you. And to remember what it felt like to look forward to this moment. And for those who are in that resurrection spot, but man, it's weird. It's awkward. 
It's not what they thought it was going to be. I pray that you give them the courage and the strength to embrace whatever it is that you have for them today. Thank you for these elements and for this time of silence. It's all in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.